because it's time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Right now. Now, right here on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics, Frickers, Warner Automotive, by Blanchard Valley Health System, Rotor Rotor, Big B Coffee, by Northwestern Water and Sewer, Wilson Tire, Grid, by MJ Brown Construction Company, Premier Bank, Campus Poly by Financial Design Insurance Agency, Snyder's Flooring Outlet, Ohio Automotive Supply, and by Seneca Millwork, Five Star Maintenance, and the Ropey Corporation. Three, two, one, let's hear it. Now, let's go live to Lance and Matt from the Fricker Studios for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night. Matt, how are you doing? I'm fine. You're fine. I'm fine. What? What? This is not acceptable energy. Kitty didn't go meow on the weekends. No, 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 the kitty did not. Bang Bengals lost. Kansas State Chiefs won. <sighs> I'd say I'd say that the put up job was in on that one because there's a lot of convenient things that are now lining up with it that make for a pretty interesting story. But in all sincerity, uh, good games. I mean, Eagles definitely look the part. Um 49ers, God love them. I'm pretty sure right now they could put a uh, a cardboard cutout of Joe Montana back there, and it would probably still pass for like 150 yards at this point, the way the offense is built with that line and skilled players. But tough tough beat having everyone go down with injuries, and then that, that Chiefs-Bengals game was phenomenal, but the, the, the officiating was some of the worst I've seen in a very, very, very long time. So I don't know. C- kind of took the wind out of my sails from a sports perspective this weekend, but it's been a fun week to start things off. And, you know, my team sucks again. As Tom Brady announced his retirement officially earlier this morning. So, you know, it's, it's reassuring, you know, things are going back to normal. The world is healing Lance. So I guess I'm good, but we do have a great show on deck for tonight. Now the energy will be there. It's just, you know, I, I really want to see Cincinnati get in, so it, it is what it is. <laughs> As Matt alluded to on this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, we will talk with Aaron Foos, Lakota head girls basketball coach. Their team is all by themselves at the top of the SBC River. They could clinch their first league title since 1998 when Coach Foos was a senior herself at Lakota. We'll talk with her in just a few minutes. We'll also talk with Ty Traxler, Elmwood head boys basketball coach. Things been a little rough for the Royals this year following the graduation of their all-time leading scorer, Bryce Reynolds. But we'll talk with Coach Traxler about his team, their future moving forward as they join the BVC next season. We'll hear from Coach Traxler a little later on in the show. We'll, of course, review the AFC and NFC championship games, talk some of the coaching moves, and, of course, Matt's favorite quarterback, Tom Brady, a little later on. Here in the show, we might not be at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, and get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. 
pick up from the carryout window, dine in or get delivery through DoorDash. Daily specials are all dine in only. Download the Frickers app and find them online at Frickers.com. And Matt, also, as you alluded to, we have a lot of good games coming up over the next few days in terms of our high school basketball coverage Thursday night. We'll have some BBC girls basketball, Van Buren hosting Arlington. Matt and I will have that one for you Thursday night on Classic Hits 96.7. Friday night on Classic Hits, we'll have BBC boys basketball action, Liberty Benton taking on Pandora Gaboa. LB could actually basically secure the league title if they do get the win over PG. Matt Brown and I will have that one for you Friday on Classic Hits 96.7. Friday on WFB we'll have some SBC River basketball action. Hopewell Loudon taking on New Regal. Matt Com and Tom Grind have that one for you Friday on WFOB. And then Saturday night on WFOB, a big rivalry matchup. Hopewell Loudon taking on Faustoria. Always a big game when those two teams match up regardless of their records. Matt Common and Tom Grind have that one for you Saturday on WFOB. So Matt, over, over the next few days, all of those games really shake up shake up uh, to be some fun ones, some for league title implications. And Saturday, good old-fashioned rivalry matchup with Hopewell and Faustoria, this time on the boys' side. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of postseason implications in all those games. And the reality is you, you close out with Hopewell and Faustoria, you, you, you close with a good slobber knocker for, for the week. It, it, it's a good one. There There is zero love loss between those two programs. So it's it should be a good, good matchup overall. Um, pr- pretty decent week of games. I mean, last week we had a couple where it's like, ah, this should be at least entertaining kind of games, but maybe not the best outcome overall or the most impressive outcome overall. But no, this week, th- these are some good games. There, There's a decent bit at stake in these games this weekend. So yeah, make sure you keep it locked in. We have some good ones for you on deck this week. So I, I know I'm going to be tuning in. Um, I should some be there, so I'll at least get to hear the game. I think, <laughs> but no, it should be uh, should be some really good ones this weekend. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back. We'll talk with Aaron Foos, Lakota head girls basketball coach here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. It's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. Frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks. When there's no time to make food for your holiday party, carry out four pounds of frickin' chicken chunks for only $34.99. Give the gift that always fits a $25 Frickers gift card and get five frickin' bonus bucks free. Let them get what they really want. Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Don. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. 
America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. And by the caring employees of the Ropey Corporation. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common hanging out with you this Wednesday night. We're now pleased to be joined by Lakota Head Girls basketball coach Aaron Foose here in the Fricker's Zoom room. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, thank you again. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you again for uh, taking the time to talk with us. Very, uh, very much appreciate it. Sure, no problem. I love talking about my team. So for you, for for this offseason, were things, I guess I'll, I'll use the term finally normal in terms of, uh, you know, the offseason, the prep of getting ready for this season? D- did things finally have uh, more of a sense of normalcy this time around? Um, actually, for Lakota, it was above normal. Um, we had the last few years, our girls have just been working hard and putting a ton of time in the off season, but the missing piece was the incoming freshmen. They were not as committed, but this group of incoming freshmen this year, um, have really bought into our program and they had, were taught, they were in the off season, you know, in the summer they came to everything. So our chemistries at the start of the season was already gelled and meshed. So it was a very, very productive offseason this this last summer. And then so kind of going hand in hand with that, only really one letter winner from last season to replace. Did that even help speed up that process because you didn't have as much of a changeover from, from uh, last year as well? That is correct. Um, Emily was our only senior last year. Um, she, was, she is missed and uh, was a heck of a player. But, yeah, that definitely helps when I had, you know, five or six girls who saw the court all the time. So they're natural leaders. And then they have brought in a few more underclassmen and um, our, we've had one freshman step in and she's played great for us off the bench. So yeah, that was a big help to have all those returning lettermen. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios talking with Lakota head girls basketball coach Aaron Foose. And you've had some tough games throughout the season, some key wins in non-league play against uh, Van Buren and Arcadia, some competitive BBC teams, a tough loss to Woodmore, but in the league, lots of uh, close games, some blowouts as well. Kind of what's the standpoint on where your team is at this point in the year when you only have a couple weeks left of the regular season, you know, postseason right around the corner. Kind of what's your feel for the team and how they're doing right now? Um, It actually started last year when we had our first tournament loss. Um, A lot of the girls were very upset and we just had a lot of unfinished business. So they have come in. um, And of course, at the beginning of the season, it takes a while to get, you know, all the X's and O's and kinks worked out. But um, since, you know, our loss to Woodmore, we have been ultra focused um, and they are just coming in and they are battling and being very intentional at practice every day. So we are playing very meaningful, um, tough, gritty basketball right now. And that is exactly what showed in that blowout win against Hopewell allowed in last time out 45-23. And they were one of the teams that had beat you earlier on in the season. What were kind of the difference makers uh, this time around as opposed to the first time you played them? 
Well, the first time we played them, I think our we let our mental toughness, uh, well, we lack of mental toughness showed. Um, we got tight and then we just tensed up and then we kind of internally imploded. Um, this time around, we, we've, we've talked about that several times um, throughout the course of the season. Um, and it's tremendous, they've had tremendous growth um, in their mental toughness and they've learned during the games that, you know, there's going to be runs, the team's going to make runs, then we're going to make runs, but you have to stay focused and stay um, with the game plan and execute. And that's what they've been doing. And with that win over Hopewell Loud and now all by yourself at the top of the conference, uh, 11 and one league record overall. And it's been a while since the team at Lakota has been able to win a league title. So just what would that mean to the program? What would that mean to the school, the community, et cetera? What would that, uh, what would that mean? Oh, it's tremendous. Um, the last few years, our, our fan base and our community support has been growing. Um, I've been in the program now coaching seven years, second year as head coach. And um, it's icing on the cake for me personally, because the last time we had a league record or league win or league championship, I should say, um, was my senior year when I played for Coach Heller. So um, to have that for our girls and personally, my two girls who are in the program would mean a lot. Everybody's super excited. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Classic hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WF will be talking with Lakota head girls basketball coach Aaron Foose. And lead me right into the next question I had for for you with uh, Carly and Cassidy, your two daughters, of course. Great things they've done for your team uh, so far. So what has that been like kind of having all those different factors? You have two of your daughters on the team. You're having one of the best years, if not the best year in school history. And what is the, all that kind of a combination of all that good? What has that meant for you, the team, the family, all that good stuff? Well, it started a lot of years ago. Uh, my girls got involved in the program and I stepped in and was coaching Biddy. And then I was asked to help with the high school program. So as a family, our, our family has put a lot of time and dedication into the program. Um, so, and my girls have put a lot of time and energy into their own personal game and development. So it means a lot. Um, it's not without its, you know, drawbacks. It's hard um, coaching your daughters and it's hard for my daughters to be coached by their mom. Um, so we've worked through that over the years. And I think um, we have found a place where we try to leave it, you know, at the gym. Um, but, you know, of course it, it comes home once in a while, but it's, it's been a true joy and honor to coach my daughters. Um, they are very hardworking, um, very good leaders, and um, they do great things out there. Another player that has done a lot of good things, Emma Gregg, has been a big contributor. What can you say about her and what she's brought to the team as another great player for you? You know, her first couple of years, um, she, she was playing varsity as a freshman and sophomore, and she lacked a little bit of mental toughness and you know she wasn't a dual threat she was always just a set shooter this year she has come her defense has stepped up tremendously and she is now attacking the basket a lot more so she's a dual threat she can shoot she's shooting you know close to 45 percent from three-point land for us but she's also one that will attack the basket and her basketball iq is really good too so um when you have three or four girls out there who have smarts um, on the court that's things that you cannot coach um, so I'm very blessed to have that in, in, in our team and Emma's done a great job 
And you mentioned uh, the one freshman earlier, but you also have a couple sophomores that do get some time for you. Uh, what can you say, I guess, about the younger class you have between the freshmen and the sophomores and how instrumental they've been both for the varsity success and for the some that uh, play JV as well? Yeah, we have um, just overall, you know, three or four years ago, we had a total of 13 girls for both teams, both JV and varsity. And when I took over the program last year um, and the year before, before I was the JV coach, we were trying to just get numbers. Um, and those girls finally just showed up and they are stepping in and doing a heck of a job. Aubrey Vitt and Riley King are two of our key sophomore players. Um, Aubrey is a guard for us and she's probably the quickest guard that in the entire league. Um, and she handles the ball well and, you know, facilitates well. And then Riley has come in and played. She's um, actually started for us the last few games, but um, the first part of the season came off the bench and she is gaining so much in her physical play and she's averaging close to six points and five rebounds for us. So when you have your six, seven man doing that, that is wonderful. And then, you know, we also have senior Kaya Mumford who is doing all the gritty work. She isn't scoring a lot, but she is our post down low that is completely undersized. And she is playing defense on them, shutting them down and, and getting in the passing lanes and getting some steals. So, um, and then Lexi Moon is our freshman that comes in and she's done a great job again, not scoring a lot, but when I have other, you know, other players that, that score, I just need you to come in and play defense and rebound and take care of the ball. And she's doing a tremendous job with that. And her basketball IQ is, um, very high too so i look for big things um in the future this is the nwo orthopedics sports auto here from the frickers studios talking with lakota head girls basketball coach aaron foos here in the frickers zoom room and thursday night you will take on calvert a team that's had their share of ups and downs this year but do have a couple dynamic players that can cause some problems what are some of the things you've seen from them uh, in getting ready for this matchup this time around um they have the um one Rich sees her name or last name. I can't remember her first name. She's scoring like 17 points a game. And she, um, the second half of the season is not just scoring. She's also facilitating. So she is getting her other players involved. So um, I know they have freshman uh, Carly Meyer too. So she is, is coming around and going to be a nice player for them. So we cannot be complacent. We have to take one game at a time and play our, play our basketball. So as long as we do that, um, we will be just fine. And then Thursday, you get right back at it. Another league matchup against New Regal. Another rematch as well. What are some of the things, obviously, you got to get through Thursday and get to Saturday, but what are some of the things you're looking forward to uh, in that rematch with New Regal? Um, they have some dynamic players as well. So and it's going to be at their place. So obviously, I think they're going to shoot a little bit better than they did the first time around. So, um, you know, we have to just like I said, play our, play our defense. Um, our defense is kind of smothering. So it, you know, we're averaging, um, our opponents are only averaging 28 points a game. So that is a testament to our, um, really gritty, um, tenacious defense. And I, as a coach stress that, so, you know, we control, we control the boards and we control defense. So, um, those two things, if we keep doing that, they will, um, lead us to bring home the championship. And then over the weekend, we also had the brackets come out for girls for postseason play, and you will likely open up with a tough Patrick Henry team on February 18th, of course, if they 
are able to get by a North Baltimore team that's struggling a little bit. Obviously, we got some time until that game, so I'm not going to ask you for a game plan of that. But I, w- I am curious for you, what went into uh, placing yourselves in the bracket? Because when, when you're a higher seed, you, of course, have the m- little bit more leeway of where you want to go. So what kind of went into where you placed your team in the bracket? It, it was a, there was a couple different avenues we could take. Um, you know, I knew, you know, we were two, two little Christians going to go on the opposite side of the bracket bracket and two, three, and four, we're going to probably come at each other. So, you know, as a coach, you question, should, should I take the bye? Should I play another game? You know, if you play that game, you risk injuries, blah, 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 blah. You're never guaranteed to win. So I just, you know, went ahead and took the bye and I knew, I figured Patrick Henry would be coming at us versus Woodmore. So, um, you know, we're up for the challenge. Um, they're a very good team. And I've actually seen them play um, this past weekend. So um, we have, uh, it'll be a tough game, but not a game that we can't win. This has been Lakota Hen Girls basketball coach, Aaron Foots. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck against Calvert Thursday and throughout the rest of the year. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Elmwood head boys basketball coach Ty Traxler here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Think you can't qualify for a car loan because of your past credit, bankruptcy, divorce, even repossessions and charge-offs? Well, think again and turn the corner to Warner. Warner Buick GMC can help you find the money you need for a car. Call 419-429-6157. That's 419-429-6157. Or apply online at warnerbuickgmc.com. Let Warner help you get a car today. For price, selection, and service, Warner won't be beat. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are iron worker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Iron Workers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Come on now, you know you've heard of those famous breadsticks. The ones oozing with cheese and a variety of other toppings you can choose from? That's right. The ones from Campus Poly Ice, the world-famous ones. Don't forget Campus Poly Ice for tasty subs, pizza, your favorite beer, and even salads. One of Finley's best-kept secrets. Don't forget to try the house-made ranch dressing. Getting your favorite goodie from Campus Poly Ice is easy. Located at 339 South Blanchard Street, Campus Poly Ice offers dine-in, carry-out, or delivery. What you waiting on? Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if auto owners make sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morse, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. We're now pleased to be joined by Elmwood Head Boys Basketball Coach Ty Traxler here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you again for uh, taking the time to talk with us. Always, uh, always great to catch up with you. Definitely. 
So for you, things obviously a little different this year, delayed because of the start uh, to the football from the football season into the basketball season. I know they had a little bit of a run last year too. The football team did, but how much did that affect things for the start of your season to really get rolling? Uh, well, I mean, it, it definitely it was a unique situation that we really haven't had an opportunity to deal with in a in a very long time at Elmwood. Um, we and especially this year was difficult for us. Um, given that we were replacing a majority of our varsity lineup. Um, you know, we lost obviously our all-time leading career score in our school's history, uh, two other guys that have started, our first two bench players. So um, we really didn't know a lot about ourselves prior to the season and who was going to step up and be a varsity contributor. And um, so we spent a lot of December and and I'm not so sure we're not still trying to to figure that out. Um you know, we we hoped that by the middle of January we'd kind of know where we were and who we were, and um, we've we've struggled to find wins on a consistent basis. And um, you know, I I don't I don't attribute a lot of what's going on um, in regards to wins and losses right now, but I think early in the season it definitely impacted us. And coach, obviously, like you mentioned, early on in the season having a bit of an impact, but night guys getting up to speed game towards the back end of the season obviously has not been the best of years, but what were some of the positives that you've seen so far from this team in terms of the growth from those first couple of weeks, trying to get up to speed and hurry to where you're at now? Well, I, I think I've, we've definitely settled more into our roles. Um, that was a big thing early in the season as guys just not quite knowing where they fit in at the varsity level. Um, we basically had two guys with a, a massive amount of experience back, and then everybody else was transitioning to something new um, that they had done in prior years. Um, defensively, I think we've, we've been fairly solid most of the year. Um, you know, we've, some of our better opponents we've held to, to manageable amounts. We held Rossford to 39 points. We held Genoa to 43. The first time we played them, we, we held Rossford to 50 the second time we played them. Um, so, you know, some of our some of our better opponents, I thought we've done a good job at guarding. Um, our our biggest issue by far this year has been our offensive capabilities. Um, we, uh, you know, we have two guys. Uh, Cade Lentz is averaging 16 a game. He's a, a three-year returning starter for us. And then Hayden Wickard's a three-year starter for us. Um, he's averaging about just a little over nine a game. And then we don't have anybody else that averages over two and a half points a game. So at the varsity level, that's going to put you behind the eight ball a lot um, when you put that much pressure on your defense to get stops. I mean, we've had we've had four games that we haven't made it out of the 20s. Uh, we've had four games we haven't made it out of the 30s. Um, and, and ironically, the three games we've gotten over 50 points, those those are the three games that we've won. So um you know, you hate to you hate to simplify things and say, well, if we could put the ball in the basket better, our record would be better. But quite honestly, I mean, that's it. We've um, we've shot 40 percent as a team from two point range and 21 percent from three point range. You know, we've only we've only made 33 threes on the year as a team. And like, for example, we played Genoa tonight. They've got two guys that have made more than that on the year. So um, so it's it's been a challenge putting the ball in the basket. Um, the one thing I will say that's been an absolute joy with these guys, the coaches, you know, when you're when you're losing and you don't want to be losing and you're you're not even close in a lot of games, you know, sometimes 
attitudes can take a turn for the worse. Sometimes effort can take a turn for the worse. And um, that hasn't been the case with this group at all. Their, their character is very high. Their, their enthusiasm is high. Their energy is high. Um, it's just putting that doggone ball in the basket that it's been holding us back. So. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with Elmwood Head Boys basketball coach Ty Traxler. And, I mean, you've alluded to it. You said it off the top. It's almost like you're missing a Bryce Reynolds-sized hole on your team because of the scoring that you know has been your biggest issue really throughout this season. I, I know you can't go to one guy. You try to go. I mean, Kate Lentz can have good nights. Hayden Wicker can have good nights. But neither of them can fill exactly what Bryce Reynolds did give you. So how much of it is, you know, kind of managing the expectations and how much is, hey, there's there's simply just not another Bryce Reynolds rocking through the door anytime soon? Well, we've tried. I mean, we've tried a variety of strategies, especially against some of our, our better opponents. We've tried to shorten the game. Um, you know, playing some different styles of defense where we're, we're making them have long possessions and then ourselves on the offensive end as well, trying to just trying to limit the possessions in the game and, and not putting as much pressure on our defense um, to get a bunch of stops. Um, but it just hasn't. And we've, we've had a lot of games. We've been right there in the fourth quarter. And then uh, the other two, we miss a couple layups. The other team hits a couple threes and then you're down by seven and then you're fouling and I mean, you can see from our scores, we've got a lot of 10 to 11 point losses. Uh, usually that means it's a close game and then you have to foul at the end. And um, we've had a, we've had several of those in the last month um, where I feel like we've kind of been right there. We were within one possession of Eastwood, um, within one possession of Faustoria last night. Um, we, we've been hanging around. We just, we, we got to find a couple guys that can knock down some shots to get us over the hump. And, and, and you hit the nail on the head too. I mean, you take a kid that, you take a kid out of your lineup that makes that made, I think 50 or 60 threes a year for you the last four years. And um, you got to have guys step in and fill that. And we just simply, just simply haven't had that. Um, our second highest three point maker has three made three pointers on the year. So um, at the varsity level, that's, that's kind of unheard of. And, and that's a tough, a tough obstacle to overcome, no matter what kind of, you know, what, no matter what kind of character kids you have, great kids play hard. Um, it's just it's tough to overcome those things. So, yeah, coach, I didn't realize it was the the next best was only three, three points. That is, yeah, that, three that, that's definitely uh, a a different style of Elmwood basketball than <laughs> most of us are used to seeing. It, it is. Yeah, we've made we've made thirty three threes as a team, and Cade has made twenty one of those th- of those thirty three threes. So, and again. You know, for us, I think I think what's that we've we've been telling the kids, I mean, we have eight games left still in our schedule in 18 days um, before the end of our regular season. We we played our ninth and 19 last night. And and that's what that's kind of what we've been preaching to the kids is we're not we're not with 18 days left in the season and only X amount of practice is going to make you a a better shooter. Um, We just have to have some guys down the stretch confidently step up. I mean, we were 0 for 10 from three last night in a one possession game. And, um, you know, we had great looks. They just did, they just didn't go in. So um, we're going to keep, we're going to keep playing though. And we're going to keep battling and who knows, maybe it's, a, it's meant to be these last couple of weeks that some guys find their strokes and we get some, some hidden gems come up here and maybe string a couple wins together. So. 
you mentioned it last night with uh, the Fostoria game and how it, you can kind of simplify that another way with 0 for 10 from 3, close game. That's another big difference. But it, it, obviously, it's always a big matchup when you guys take on Fostoria. Uh, in the league, nearby rivalry too. What were some, aside from the big glaring thing we already talked about, I guess, what were some of the things you did uh, see from your team in that one? Well, I thought we fought like crazy. We really executed the game plan well, um, especially for about three quarters. We um, we knew we had to take care of the basketball. Our goal was 10 or less turnovers. Um, and then we played a triangle too on their two best players. Um, which really worked effectively. Um, the Johnson kid that's a point guard for them, their leading scorer, um, he didn't score until right before the end of the first half. Um, so we, we we felt pretty good about how we played in the first half. The second half is when things turned on us from a turnover perspective. I think we came out and missed two layups right off the start. They were able to push and transition and get some layups before our triangle two got back. Um, that kind of put us behind the eight ball a little bit. But we still, I mean, think the thing about our kids is they, we still play defense well enough to keep ourselves in games, and we're just waiting for those those big plays at the end of games to to take those four point games and not have to be fouling at the end and and sending teams a free throw line. Hopefully, be up four and teams are fouling us. But and coach, obviously, not not to belabor the point for the three points side thing. It's just it's. It's kind of like hearing that Reggie Miller switch to layups. I'm just ha- trying to, to yeah. wrap my head around that for Elmwood. Is this something that as you're looking at your team's development, you can maybe see the starting piece of, okay, this guy or this player, maybe this group here, maybe some of the kids on this JV squad, they're starting to develop that outside touch. Maybe this is something that we can have that back again sooner rather than later as these kids continue to develop. Yeah. And I don't, I, yeah, I don't think, you know, I don't know that we look and see, I don't know that we look currently and see, uh, you know, a ton of kids that are going to come up and be 50% three point shooters. Um, but we definitely have kids. I know they're going to put some time in and um, you know, and, and get in the gym in the off season and get in the gym in the summer and sh- get some shots up during football on Sundays um, when they have a day off that those kids are definitely coming. Um, but it's one of those, they're, they're just not, they're not ready for varsity yet. And, um, and like I said, the, the kids that are playing varsity for us now are our senior class hasn't had the success they've wanted yet this year. Um, but they're, they're a great group of kids that, that continue. I mean, they continue to earn their playing time in in practice. It just comes down to, um, collectively we're shooting 40% from two point range and 20% from three point range. And that's just tough to overcome. But, um, no, I think I think our our future is definitely bright uh, with some of our younger groups. Um, but being being bright and good futures in eighth grade doesn't translate to anything if you don't put the work in and and keep getting better every every off season. So this is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Elmwood head boys basketball coach Ty Traxler. And you mentioned the future with these team with your team and with the different guys. Well, next year will in fact be the future and it will be a new conference for you guys going into the Blanchard Valley conference, uh, moving on from the Northern Buckeye conference and just uh, obviously a little more time before that officially happens. Once uh, the summer happens and all that good stuff, but what, what kind of impact do you think that's going to have for your team? You know, in the NBC, you you get to play each other twice throughout the season. You won't have, you know, 
the Fostoria twice in two weeks, unless you have football season that runs over again. But the one twice a year to one time a year, unless you find yourself match up in the playoffs. What do you think about that format? And I know you have some different teams. I know you've played LB, you've played Macomb, you've played some of these teams already. So you're at least kind of starting to see what some of those programs are like. But from an overall perspective, what do you see uh, for next year for when you uh, do, in fact, move into the BVC? A couple of different things, and I, and this is just talking from a basketball perspective, not all the other sports. But yeah. um, you know, we we've definitely built up some rivalries in non-league with with Van Buren. Um, we border them. Uh, Arcadia is a bordering district. Um, uh, obviously, Liberty Benton's been a big rival of ours in non-league for years. Uh, Macomb's another one <clears throat> that we play every year. That's that's become kind of a rivalry. So. Um, I think that's I think that's exciting those opportunities, um, and then I think the other thing from a basketball perspective, uh, especially for me, is just the way you're able to diversify your schedule, um, not playing a double round. I mean, you, you lock yourself in when you're talking about the NBC where we're at. You're locking yourself into 14 league games, um, and you now if the league if the league has a down year. You know, maybe you have a false sense of hope because you're beating everybody twice. Um, or maybe it's one of those where where it's this year and we're we're not as good and it's hard to find many wins when you're playing the same teams twice. So I like I like being able to diversify your schedule. I really like it from a from a conference championship standpoint too. be only playing every team in your league once, I think, gives every league game that tournament feel um where you you know you have to win that game just like you would in the sectionals or district um if you want a chance at the league championship so i really do like that aspect i know some people don't but um i think that's a cool thing to prepare your teams for tournament time when they have that pressure on them every league game that this is the only time you're going to see them and you got to get them so um looking forward to the move i think it'll be um i don't i don't think i think a lot of people's perception from the outside looking in is that like we're going to go into the BBC and all of a sudden be this powerhouse. Um, I, I think those people don't know much about boys basketball and BBC. I mean, be, between Liberty Benton and Arlington and Pandora Gilboa. And I mean, you got a ton of teams that have been down to the state tournament within the last 10 years. So um, I think, I think we'll develop some cool rivalries. Um, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of the coaches in the league. So look forward to competing against them as conference opponents. I'm actually curious, Coach, to kind of stick with the move to the BVC, maybe just more of a generality thing, because we, we've talked with some of our coaches that are moving conferences, starting to relocate, starting to move on from traditional rivalries that we've seen over the last several years and really over the history of most sports in Western Ohio, it seems like with some of the matchups. But I, I am curious from your perspective with basketball in particular, being a sport that you play more games that you get more interaction between non-conference types of teams and stuff like that. Is this something where moves like this maybe aren't as significant overall as they would be for like a football or something where it's extremely limited, the amount of games that you get to play against non-conference. Just I've always been curious from a, a basketball or winter sports perspective, what, a move like this really means because it still seems like you guys would have plenty of opportunities to still have those classic rival games with your current with the current schedule and current teams just moving yeah. our conference as well 
Yeah. So that's, that's been one of our goals with my athletic director that we've, you know, we've sat down over the last year or so and, and tried to piece together my schedule for next year. And those were some of the things that were really important to me is to keep some of the rivalries we have with our Wood County schools. Um, you know, we're, we're not making probably the, the 45, 50 minute trek to Genoa that, that we've had to make in conference play. But, um, you know, our bordering schools that we are big rivals with, with like Eastwood and, and Otsego and Lake, um, who are all our Wood County, you know, historically Wood County opponents that we've always played. Um, it does give us a chance to continue to play them. And like I said too earlier, I really think it gives you a chance to diversify your schedule. I mean, you you can look at your younger grades and kind of see, you know, where you're at talent level wise and, and what you think is best for your program coming up. Um, you know, if I've got a group that I know has got a chance to make a tournament run and I mean, we want to make sure we're playing some some high level competition to to get ourselves better for tournament play and and even you know in conference play. But maybe you know maybe you have a team that you know might need some confidence and and so you maybe schedule some games where you know you're going to have a chance and and your kids can compete in. And so I think having 22 different opponents is is kind of a cool thing. Um, I know there's going to be a lot more later nights doing 22 scouting reports as opposed to only only however many I have to do now, but I'm looking forward to it. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Lance Moritz, Matt Common talking with Elmwood head boys basketball coach Ty Tracks. So one kid I'm I'm curious about uh for you. You've mentioned him a handful of times already, but Cade Lentz, he's been a starter for you since he since his freshman year, and particularly with the graduation of Bryce Reynolds, that has added more of a scoring responsibility to him. Obviously, he scored before, but becoming you know the secondary guy versus the primary guy can be quite the change for him, along with the fact he's also your point guard. How do you think he's handled the responsibilities, and what more should we expect from him You know, the rest of the season and then into his, uh, into his senior year? Well... It- we kind of knew this going in. Um, Kate had a really good summer um, for us. He had a really good spring AAU team. He plays for the Ohio Buckets, um, which is a pretty prestigious group uh, up in Northern Ohio. Um, so he's had a, he had a really good off season. Um, we kind of knew though, going into the season that teams you play in the summer don't, you know, they don't face guard your best player. They don't double team your best player in the summer. So that's the one thing that he had to adjust to very, very quickly is that most teams, when he touches the ball, as soon as he gets to half court, he's getting trapped and he has to either get by the defenders or get rid of the ball. Um, so that's been a big adjustment for him, especially since obviously we're so limited um, perimeter-wise with our guard play and making shots. And um, we we really don't have a second primary ball handler. So every team that is deep has just pressed us and gotten up in us and, and made him give the ball up. Um, but what's been striking to me for, for Cade has been how he's handled that. I didn't know how he'd handle that. Um, that's a lot of adversity to handle when, when every team you play is throwing two or three athletes at you every possession. And he's done a really good job of, I mean, his, his two point percentage is high. Um, he's shooting 53% from two point range. Now um, his three point attempts aren't where we'd like them to be. I think he's about 27% there, but he, he's been the, a lot of that has been the product of we're down seven with, with 30 seconds left and we need to bury a shot. So, you know, he's taken a lot of shots late that he doesn't force up in the beginning of games. And um, the one thing that's really helped us this year with him is his rebounding. 
he never really was much of a rebounder for us, but um, he's over almost close to six rebounds a game, um, which has been big. But as you probably guessed from the percentages I read you earlier, uh, his assists are way down um, from uh, from just, I mean, I think he's averaged close to five assists the last two years. And, um, but again, as you mentioned, some, you know, a lot of those passes were going to, to Bryce or some of the other guys that, that shot well last year. So um, those numbers a little down. I, I expect, I expect him to be our hardest worker. Um, he's our best player. So I, I'm a firm believer that that person needs to be your hardest worker. And he definitely has not let us down when it comes to that in practice and games. Um, he gives it everything he's got. So. And, you know, looking at the flip side of it, I know we've talked a good bit about the offense and some of the struggles there. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier, the defense you guys have had. I, I know, again, record may not reflect this, but you guys have really held your own against some good opponents and yeah. some good matchups. Um, can, can you just walk us through a little bit of what you've been seeing defensively that re- really has you feeling good, even with the record, feeling pretty good about what you guys are getting on that side of the court? Well, being being as most of the most of the football guys that we got that play basketball um, are are linemen, line linebacker type guys. Um, so I think our physicality on the defensive end has been something we've kind of hung our hat on. Um, you know, we we usually do fairly well with post players. Um, what's what's hurt us on defense has been two things: is other teams that have good guard play, um, we have a tough time staying in front of. Um, which is why we've we've played we've played way more zone than I've ever played in twenty some years of coaching and um and like I said even some some people call them junk defenses but, but like a triangle um you know um but the other thing that's really hurt our and this is gonna sound like I'm saying the same thing over and over again but the the thing that's hurt our defense the most has been our offense um you know committing committing turnovers that you can't guard on the defensive end you know, missing a three and it's a long rebound and not being able to get your defense back and get set. That's, those have been things that have, that have honestly hurt our defense a ton. And, you know, some of those scores you see where we hold a team to, to 50 or 45, a lot of those games, honestly, probably would have been down in the low forties and high thirties if it wasn't for us just having bad offense possessions and giving up leak outs and things like that. So I would say our transition defense and, and not taking care of the ball has, has been what's hurt us the most probably. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios talking with Elmwood Head Boys basketball coach Ty Traxler. And over the next week or so, as you've mentioned with you know how you've had to cram some of these games in because of the late start, uh, you'll have uh, games against Woodmore, Arcadia, and Macomb all within the next week or so. And obviously not asking for a specific game plan for each one of those games, but what are some of the things you're going to be looking forward to uh, in those games uh, for your team, you know, as far as development-wise, you know, overall, all that good stuff? Well, we, we've talked to, you know, we have, we have several seniors that are, that are playing a lot of minutes for us. And and the one thing we just keep talking to them about is what's when somebody goes back and looks in the, in the annals of Elmwood basketball, and we give you our record book that we hand them every year, what, what are they going to look at your team and say, um, and you know, what, what are they going to remember about you? Are, are you going to have any regrets when you walk out the door that, that you wish you could have done more? You know, obviously we're not, we're not winning the league. We're not, we're not finishing probably at this point above 500. Um, but that's that it's, it's about how you finish in high school basketball, not necessarily how you start. Um, we're, 
we're one of the lucky tournaments, obviously, that everybody gets in. So um, you want to be playing your best at the end of the season. And what better time to do that when you got eight games in 18 days? Um, hopefully, hopefully we're, we're pulling it together. Obviously, we've got some some super tough opponents coming up, too. I mean, um, you know, Eastwood and Fostoria, Bluffton's a phenomenal, phenomenal team. So we've got some tough ones coming, but we're hoping we can be competitive and, and be playing our best here in a few weeks when the tournament starts. And now the equally as important question, Coach, is one of the best venues and fan experiences in the region is playing a home game at Elmwood. And uh, only thing I need to know, the castle's still there, right? Absolutely. The the castle, the castle and the Royal Rowdies are still in full effect. They they haven't given up on us. So we had them, we had them in the fall story game it was a great environment on a Monday night. Um, our pet band still the best, best band around in my opinion. And, um, we, we like to have fun at home games. We like to think that creates a little bit of a, a home court advantage for us as well. Um, I think we've got half, half home and half away left, or maybe, maybe one less home game, but we're hoping to finish strong. This has been Elmwood head boys, basketball coach, Ty Traxer coach. Thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck throughout the rest of the season. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate the time. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk the NFL postseason here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Great news, Fostoria. The new watershed near the corner of 4th and Finley Streets is now open. This watershed offers another convenient location in the southwest corner of town to purchase pure water. You can also use the watershed off of Plaza Drive. Both watersheds are open 24-7 every day of the year. So grab your quarters and your containers and head to the closest watershed near you. For more info, go to nwwsd.org. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a $0.25 cent shift differential for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome to Big B Coffee, your home away from home that picks you up and leaves you in a better mood than when you arrived. No matter who you are, we know we'll have a drink for you and her and him. You see, here at Bigby, we can customize our drinks for each person, dairy or no dairy, coffee or no coffee. We've got you covered, hot, iced, or frozen. Bigby Coffee is one of a kind, just like you. With locations on Tiffin Avenue and Trenton Avenue in Finley to serve you. Roto-Rooter is always the first name you think of when you have problems with your sewer system or any other household drains. Tim Munger and Roto-Rooter will thoroughly clean your sewer system, sink, shower drains, and toilets. The Mungers have been serving the Faustoria and Seneca County area for over 65 years. Give Tim Munger a call at 419-435-3360. That's 419-435-3360 for all of your drain cleaning needs. And away go troubles down the drain. Back we are here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM, WFOB Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you. Big thanks to Aaron Foos from Lakota and Ty Traxler from Elmwood for joining us on the show tonight. If you missed 
any part of our show today or just want to hear it again, head over to WFB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. And we might not be at the Frickers and Finley physically, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless freaking chicken wings day. Tuesday, freaking chicken wings day. Tonight and get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their freaking chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. All daily specials, though, are all dine in only. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. Find them online at Frickers.com. And Matt, before we uh, recap the AFC NFC Championship games, we'll of uh, we'll course save our Super Bowl preview for next week's show. As you alluded to off the top, of a little bit of deja vu today, as on his one-year anniversary of first announcing his retirement, Tom Brady again announces he will retire and said this one is for good. He finishes his career seven Super Bowl titles, nine appearances in the big game over his 23-year career and. Yeah, he's, he says he's done for good, says all the right things. But after last year, I, I have to be a little skeptical in that I won't truly believe he's done until we get to the first Sunday next year and Tom Brady is not on a field anywhere. Where What uh, what are your thoughts on, on uh, Tom Brady and his now second retirement? I actually think he's done. Um, I'll be honest, I really do think he's done. It's It's one thing to announce a retirement, do like the touching farewell letter and all that stuff. This one felt more organic. You know what I mean? This this felt like the, okay, plausibly I could come play for San Francisco. I could go play for Las Vegas. Maybe there's another team out there that I could do this for again. Flip side of that, this year alone, had his worst statistical comfort or division winning season as a player, you very clearly started to see the decline in his play, which is astonishing because he still had great numbers. But you, you could tell that it was starting to trend towards Peyton Manning and Super Bowl 50 kind of territory where he, he was no longer going to be the guy that won you the games, but he wasn't going to lose you any games either. And I, I don't know, just watching the games, watching everything, it, it felt different this year. Like he really, he came back, but that he probably shouldn't have come back. And just to call it as it is, th- this season cost him his wife, cost him his marriage. It's, at, at this point, I'm not sure what else he would want to put in the tank and try for another go at. I mean, Plausibly, there's a couple teams out there that would make sense. He could return to Tampa Bay, but I think Tampa would do themselves a great service by blowing it up this offseason. As long as they keep Levante David and Mike Evans, those are the only two I care about. Uh, the rest of them, they can kind of blow things up a good bit. But at, at the end of the day, I think he looked at the landscape of the NFL and there's not really a spot that makes sense. I mean, Las Vegas makes sense on paper because of Josh McDaniels, but they have Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. That's it. They're going to have to overpay to keep Josh Jacobs. They don't really have a track record of doing right by the quarterbacks up there, and their offensive line is pretty suspect in terms of passing game. So I don't think he wants to go get beat beat up as an Oakland as a Las Vegas Raider. 
Um, Miami, I know there's a lot of rumblings about that last year, but to approve that he's the dude. And I, I think they're comfortable going forward with that. So I don't really see that being the case. Plus, he's got millions upon millions of dollars waiting for him at Fox Sports the minute he officially, officially retires. So I I don't know. I kind of get the vibe from him, especially seeing like his voice was cracking and the emotion was starting to get to him at the end of it. I think he's I think he means it. Because I mean last year it wasn't even a press conference. It was just that the like Instagram thing or the letter and stuff like that. It wasn't anything too over the top. It's I kind of get the feeling he means it this time. So for his sake and for his legacy's sake, I kind of hope he's done. He goes out as the GOAT, the best of all time. I, I don't think anyone wants to see him in another jersey having three having three teams on his resume. I think his legacy with New England is secure. And frankly, the fact that in three seasons he became the all-time record holder in most statistical categories for Tampa Bay as well, I, I think his legacy is pretty secure. There's There's really nothing left for him to do. So I hope he stays retired. I do kind of have a feeling just like you do. It's like, I kind of want to wait until Sunday night football, that first Fox sports weekend where he's in the booth calling the game, as opposed to down on the sidelines, getting ready for the game. I mean, it's, it's obviously not quite the Brett Favre territory where it was, Oh, I'm retiring. No, I'm not retiring. No, I'm retiring. No, I'm not retiring. I'm going to go play for the jets. I'm retiring. No, I'm not retiring. I'm going to go play for the Vikings. No, I'm not retiring. I'm going to go play for the Vikings again. Then he actually is done. It's not that level. But just because you've retired once, we've seen what happened. You didn't even truly. Uh, here, Here's the thing about his initial retirement. It wasn't even that he truly retired, even though that's how it ended up coming out. Here's he, the thing. He was saying, he was saying goodbye to Tampa because he was about to go to Miami, and then everything hit the fan, and he couldn't go to Miami. That's why he doesn't thank New England in that long letter that he wrote yep. because he was about to go to Miami. Like people need to actually know and think and know all that happened. I think because of that, it does lead to this being more, oh yes, he's actually retiring versus everything that happened last year. But just because it's the whole, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me thing. Because then if he does it again, it's like, oh, well, why are we surprised? He already did it once. Well, I mean, shoot, you look at last year's for that one. He he had exactly two options, come back to Tampa Bay or request a trade to Miami. And as soon as the stuff started leaking out about what Miami was trying to do, first of all, there's a reason there's only 31 first-round picks this year. Miami's tampering with that and the investigation in the Brian Flores situation cost Miami their first-round pick. Miami still has the one that they traded for, but it cost them their first round pick. So, no, I'm sorry. They actually don't have that because they traded for Bradley Chubb during this season. Yeah. So Miami doesn't have a first round pick because of this. What's well, the pick they would have? It's the pick they would have. Uh, it's the pick they got from Atlanta, I think. It was either it was either from Atlanta for Kyle Pitts, a part of that trade, or it was from. It's San Francisco it's a of, as a part of when they moved up to get Trey Lance. I think it's part of the San Francisco one, but point being is there's only 31 picks 
in the draft this first round of the draft this year because Miami had to forfeit one as part of the collusion of trying to get Tom Brady and the other stuff that came out with Brian Flores. So it, I'm not really surprised, and especially with this one, it's it seems genuine. It just does seem genuine. This seems like the type of thing he's sit, sitting outside his home on the beachfront. You can tell he's feeling some kind of way about it when you watch the video. I, I genuinely do think he's done because the the only teams realistically that are going into next season with a legitimate pressing quarterback need are Tampa Bay, Carolina, Houston, Las Vegas, and maybe San Francisco or the Jets. Indy. Indy. I, I Yeah, Indy as well. But out of those teams, Indy you can eliminate because they've done the rent-a-QB for the last three <laughs> years. They're not going to do that with Tom Brady. And Tom Brady in a Colts uniform just sounds blasphemous. <laughs> it makes That's, sense for him to go to a dome, though. It would help him to go to a dome. This is true. Just, same thing like Brady in a Jets jersey. That just that seems unnatural. Brady in a Buccaneers jersey was off, but it made sense. It's like, oh, NFC team, good players, warm environment. Okay, it makes sense. Las Vegas makes sense to a point, but Brady has so much history against the Raiders, I don't think realistically he'd go there. But even with McDaniels, because let's call it as is, I think McDaniels is on a short leash out there because he stunk up the joint this season. That that Raiders team was hot garbage, and they had some. They have talent on that team, so I don't see him going there. And Houston has been a assorted, unapologetic hot mess for the last four seasons. I don't see Tom Brady going in and magically turning that around. Although, out of all those teams I just listed, quite possibly does have the best offensive line situation out of all those teams with guys like Laramie Tunsil there. But no, I, I I think it's legit. I really do. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you. Now let's take a look at the NFC and AFC championship games from over the weekend in the NFC, similar to how they played against the Giants. The Eagles got up quickly on the Niners, and that injury bug just continued to bite them. Brock Purdy gets hurt. Nick Bosa gets a little banged up. Josh Johnson, who comes in for Brock Purdy, also gets hurt. So they go back to the injured Brock Purdy, who was essentially a shell of himself because he couldn't really throw. And yeah, that was that's the that's the whole story of the game. Oh yeah. I mean, hey, oh, you hate to see it for someone like Nick Bosa. So sad. Hate to see it. But um for the rest of it, I mean 49ers, that's a good team. That they have a huge question they need to ask themselves though. Is it Trey Lance or Brock Purdy? Because Right now, they have a quarterback that has not been able to stay healthy in Trey Lance and a quarterback that his first, what, eight games, he was undefeated, including two postseason games. But how much of that is the quarterback play? Because Jimmy Garoppolo was doing fine before he got hurt, too. It's like it, I think San Francisco is the ultimate example of there's exactly two ways to build a football team. You can build with the quarterback as the central focus point and build around them case in point um baltimore ravens with lamar jackson the miami dolphins with tua the um la chargers 
with Justin Herbert. You know, you build with the personnel and the people around them that best fit their style of play. Or option two, you just build a team that is so offensively stacked from top to bottom. Like I said during the intro, you could have a cardboard cutout of Joe Montana back there and he would go 13 and four with that 49ers team. So I don't know. There, there's a part of me that thinks they might be able to get some big trade value from one of those guys. It just depends on who they pick. So uh, 49ers, they got some big questions they need to ask, see see where they want to go with it. I think most of their roster is pretty locked in and good. They got to figure out who's going to be under center. That That's their big question. As for Philly, look, they've been number one this season from the jump. And they, they gave – this postseason, they've given no reason to suggest they won't won't be the best team in the league. They've given up only 14 points on their way to the Super Bowl. That that's just absurd. That's absurd. Only 14 points on your way to a Super Bowl. I mean, there's good, there's been some great defenses that have come through. This Eagles defense, postseason-wise, may be one of the best defenses out there in a long time. And the fact that Jalen Hurts was able to do it without throwing a touchdown pass in the NFC title game, what they're starting to get out of Miles Sanders, who appears to be healthy, Devonta Smith, and that that receiver core they have with him and A.J. Brown, just it works. It works really well. The offensive line seems to be humming and clicking. The defensive line with guys like Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, that you throw to Kobe Dean, some of the linebackers they had back there, it's... Look, not not to get ahead of myself with the uh, Super Bowl projections here, but I don't know how a less than 100% Pat Mahomes beats that Eagles team. I'll just be honest. So we'll we'll see. We'll obviously do a lot more in-depth and a much more deep dive next week on that one. But yeah, the, the, the Eagles look the part, man. They really do. Switching over to the AFC, Cincinnati versus Kansas City. All Chiefs early on. Mahomes, of course, didn't look uh, quite 100%, but... Still able to, of course, do enough. The Bengals uh, get themselves back in the game right before halftime and then, of course, end up losing on that last-second field goal and makes it part to some rough penalties uh, against the Bengals in the latter stages of that game. And you were uh, certainly very vocal on Twitter about uh, about that game, so obviously you can walk back anything you need to walk back, but anything else you need to say, you, the floor is yours. Uh, I mean, I will walk back the, the one about Joseph Oside. I walked that back on Twitter as well. The kid made a mistake. He did. It's, was it a critical, most likely fatal, costly mistake in that game? Sure. Cincinnati also could have done a million and a half things to not have that 22-year-old be in a position to have to make that play, though, and have that end up being the case. I, I will say, and I will stand by from a historical standpoint, though, teams and fan bases do tend to look for a scapegoat. So far, it seems like Joseph Osai is avoiding that, which is good, and I think that's for the best. But, I mean, if you look through history, I mean, Malcolm Butler, he, he's a prime candidate. Hero against the Seattle Seahawks for the Patriots in that Super Bowl. The next Super Bowl that he was with them, he didn't do so great. They cut him the next day. It was. It wasn't even. Um, maybe I'm forgetting, but wasn't there a Super Bowl like he just didn't play in? Oh no, they took him off the active roster that next the next Super Bowl. He was not on the active roster for the uh, Rams Super Bowl. 
because I I remember I remember he had like he did I remember he did have some struggles, and then it was one of the talking points whenever that Super Bowl was of oh don't even have Malcolm Butler as as a player yeah. on the team. So he wasn't he wasn't even a goat in the same level of what happened with Joseph Osai, and he got cut. Scott Norwood, one of the all time legends of Super Bowls for wide right for Buffalo. That offseason, the Bills signed two kickers explicitly to try and get rid of Scott Norwood. Norwood did beat them out. He had a good season, but then they still cut him the next year after losing another Super Bowl. Neil O'Donnell for the Pittsburgh Steelers, 1995-96 season, throws two interceptions in the Super Bowl. He's released the next day. It's... what well, was I in the heat of the moment? Absolutely. I do apologize for that. And I definitely walked back that he should be cut. History shows, though, that the Bengals are going to go looking for a scapegoat in this situation. And fair or not, it could fall on Joseph Osai for that. Because people aren't good. Some people aren't going to remember the two picks from Joe Burrow. Some people are not going to remember the fact the offensive line was atrocious for Cincinnati in this game. Bengals fans will. Bengal fans will remember all of that. Bengals fans are also going to remember that Zach Taylor called possibly the worst series of play calling when you had new overtime rules. It's like he was trying to go for the win in regular. You only had like a minute and a half. Just run the clock out. You were guaranteed a chance with the ball with the new overtime rules. That's They just went into this panic mode and so many things cost it, but Flip side of that, feel bad saying it, and I do feel bad because I've walked back my sentiment on it on Twitter and, again, on here. Every Everyone in 35 million people who watched at home are going to remember Joseph Osai knocking Pat Mahomes out of bounds and having that flag thrown, and it's not fair. Just like nobody remembers Ernest Biner having 150 all-purpose yards against Denver in 1988, but everyone remembers him fumbling the ball. It's the only reason I know that name. Exactly. That's the point I'm trying to get at here. I did it terribly online, <laughs> so I do apologize for that. And I do walk back that statement. And I think the kid's good. I think he's going to have a good career. I hope he has a good career. I hope he doesn't have this stamp to his resume for his whole career. Just history tends to show that people do try to stamp things like that to these players. And fair or otherwise, it it sticks. It sucks. Sucks for a player like Joseph Osak. He had a great game up until that point. He had a really good game. But everyone's going to remember that personal foul. And I hope everyone remembers on top of it, though, the atrocious officiating, though. And I hope that's why he gets cut some slack. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk NFL coaching changes here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Freaking chicken chunks, freaking chicken chunks, freaking chicken chunks, freaking chicken chunks. When there's no time to make food for your holiday party, carry out four pounds of freaking chicken chunks for only $34.99. Give the gift that always fits a $25 Frickers gift card and get five freaking bonus bucks free. Let them get what they really want. 
10 p.m. And oh, shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. Need new tires or tire service? Then Wilson Tire Company has you covered. Offering 15 brands of tires and providing 24-hour roadside assistance, Wilson Tire Company can get the job done. In business for over half a century, Wilson Tire Company has three convenient locations, Tiffin, Upper Sandusky, and Kenton. Wilson Tire Company offers mobile services, especially for commercial and farm applications. Check them out on the web for contact information or simply set an appointment from the comfort of your couch. Wilson Tire Company, a trusted partner for all your tire needs. Grit. The word is defined as having courage or strength of character. My name is Mitch Gardner, and I am the owner of Grit. We are a personalized health and fitness organization that will help you find the strength and courage to become the best version of you. Let my staff at Grit encourage you to get healthy in the right way. It's time to take charge of your health for yourself, your family, and your future. Grit is located behind Ace Hardware and Body Works 24-Hour Fitness of Tiffin. Or reach out via email at grit, G-R-I-T-T dot training at gmail.com. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB Lance Morris Matt Cowman here with you. Big thanks to Aaron Foose from Lakota and to Ty Traxler from Elmwood for joining us on the show tonight. If you missed any part of our show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons. We might not be Physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, and get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Gets eat free all day, every day at Frickers. And Matt, let's talk uh, NFL coaching changes. Some positions have been filled. Others may be waiting for coaches on either the Philly or Kansas City staffs to be done with the Super Bowl, but... Let's start with uh, let's start with D'Amico Ryan's going to the Houston Texans. Of course, he was the defensive coordinator for the Niners. Played for the Texans most of his career. He ended up finishing his career in Philly, though. But with all the turnover in Houston the last few seasons or the last couple years of one and done coaches, this certainly seems like the right move for the franchise. With you know all the draft picks they have coming between you know the Watson trade and some other moves they've made. I mean, it's not going to turn around. You know immediately but between the next couple draft classes they certainly they certainly could be making some moves in the right direction i i gave this um signing and hiring an a plus grade um i think it's the absolute best pick the texans could have made because they don't so much need a coach they need a culture change that this team has been operating as pardon me for saying that they they've been operating as a sideshow circus for the last three, four years, the end of the Bill O'Brien era, trading away everybody for just horrible returns on investment, massively overpaying for veteran players. The The last decent thing that they did was the trade for Deshaun with Deshaun Watson. It le- netted them just a absurd amount of stuff that could go their way. Just an absurd amount of stuff that could go in their favor. So I think this is a great hire. 
I think this is exactly the kind of hire that they needed because they need to build a culture. You hire a coach that's young, very similar to what you saw the Rams do with Sean McVay or what the Jets did with Robert Sala. They has a good track record, a motivator, someone that can potentially come in and change the culture. And you're helping them out by loading up with draft picks that let's just call it as is. One of them is either going to be Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. That's immediately a good start. That's you're you're putting this franchise on much better footing, much more stable footing. And I think this is exactly the kind of hire that they should have made. I think this is a hire they should have made last year, but I don't think Demeco Rise was necessarily ready to be a head coach last year. This year, I think he is. And yeah, if you want my two cents, he's exactly the right hire for this organization. I, I couldn't think of anyone better for the Texans to start building the culture around than someone who was there during the good times for the Texans. And I know there's the Deshaun Watson era, but I'm talking the Matt Schaub era of good times for the Texans when they were consistently near the top of the heap time and time again, had some good runs, things like that. I I think he's a great hire. I, I think he's a phenomenal pick. I had him very high on my coordinators and like next person up for head coaching jobs. And they hit out of the park. They hit out of the park with this one. All he's got to do is make sure that he brings in a good staff with him and someone who's good at developing quarterbacks to make sure that you develop either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud into that pro style QB. You need him to be in your system. And honestly, the sky's going to be the limit for the Texans. This is the type of thing where I look at it and this is very much getting ahead of myself, but between the massive trade, all the draft picks, hiring the young, energetic, motivational coach and being in a position for a quick turnaround and over a couple short year period, this looks a lot more like the 89 Dallas Cowboys where you bring in Jimmy Johnson and you just have a treasure trove of draft picks that you then use to build a team that's going to compete for several years to come. First off, it is, I think, a little disrespectful to call it the Matt Schaub era of Texans being good. I think you got to attribute that more to the Arian Fosters of the world, the Andre Johnsons of the world, even J.J. Watt. I think I think Matt Schaub, he might have been the quarterback for some of those teams. It was not the Matt Schaub show in Houston. No, it wasn't, but just you know, most people associate eras with teams with their quarterback. So what I was referring to is Gary Kubiak, Matt Schaub, Andre Johnson, Arian Foster. I mean, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head, just a very talented group of players around Matt Schaub. But at the end of the day, Matt Schaub was the guy under center for that team. So that's why I would say, technically speaking, it's that era. But your point is still, it's still a good one. And even... Even more so, I mean, we talk about the picks they have this year and even the next few years with uh, some of the picks they got in those some of those trades. They're in a position, depending on who they want at quarterback, they're in a position they maybe could trade down in the first round depending on which guy they want because of the other quarterback needy teams. And I don't think it's super-duper likely that the Texans move down uh, considering they're already at two. But it's a possibility, depending on how how many draft picks some of these other teams are willing to give up. I mean, the Colts are at four. Say the Colts call and they're like, hey, we'll give you the, the first round pick for this year. We'll give you the first round pick for next year. And they throw something else in. 
And then it's like, oh, well, I think we'll I think we'll do that because it helps us. It helps the trade for you know the future in general, and we still get whichever between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young is there at four. Oh, there's a possibility. You're forgetting the X factor, though. That's the Bears who own number one. So unless they stay at number one and take Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, which I think they could make a move as well. But if a team doesn't, that plays right into a theoretical change that the Texans could do, depending on what the Bears do. It, if if the Bears stay pat at number one, you could definitely see the Texans move back. I don't see them moving back far, though. Right. Because all, all, all signs point to this year's quarterback class, just to be very candid, I, I'm not as aggressively in this camp, but there's a steep drop-off from Bryce Young and CJ Stroud to that next tier of Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and Hendon Hooker. Now, Will Levis, for some reason, and I know exactly what reason that is, because he's six foot five and 230 pounds, is magically shooting up draft boards. It's Paxton Lynch all over again. It's Tim Couch all over. I, I'm I'm going to call this one here and now, and I'll stand by it until I'm dramatically proven wrong if that happens. Will Levis is not going to be a successful NFL quarterback. He's just not. I don't think he will. Anthony Richardson has a chance to really develop, but he has to develop the right way. Hendon Hooker, I think, is going to be a serviceable starter in the league. He's His also, he's also hurt. Sorry to me. You also got Hooker. He's hurt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. His his age and his injury history is a concern. So when you look at this class, unless you're the Texans saying, you know what, we can get Anthony Richardson at 15, go sign a quarterback like Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo or something like that for a year or two and pick up all these extra draft picks from a team like Carolina who has made it no secret they want C.J. Stroud. Yeah, make the move. But otherwise, if I'm the Texans, I, I take either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. I would lean towards C.J. Stroud. I think he's a better prospect than Bryce Young. Um, I, I think with Bryce Young, I see a little too much of Kyler Murray, not in terms of like his discipline, but really his style of play. And that really only fits for a particular set of teams. So if I'm the Texans, I stay put, I go get CJ Stroud, go draft another offensive lineman or even another wide receiver with the pick you got from the Browns for fleecing them to get Deshaun Watson. You get another set of two draft picks next year after that. It's, that they look good. They look very primed to be an incredibly talented, successful team going forward. Last thing on the Texans, you probably didn't mean to do this. Derek Carr's not playing for the Houston Texans. He's he's not. It's unlikely. <laughs> it's wildly unlikely. But the fact of the matter is, they're also not going to go try and give Lamar Jackson the entire bank. They're not going to go after any of the like extreme top names that could be available. But, you know, I, I think, I think Derek Carr in theory, that level of player, if you, if you can say for the Texans, you absolutely are going to be able to sign Derek Carr this off season. It's like a three year deal. Yeah. Trade back and draft a development player. Wait until next year when that quarterback class is freaking loaded for 24 and then pick a quarterback at that stage. But, Either way, I, I think the Texans are really primed well. The, the hiring of Demeco Ryan's is the catalyst to that. 
you know how like the the saying is, oh, the North remembers, oh, everyone remembers. Derek Carr knows exactly what they did to his brother. It doesn't matter if it's not the same management or anything. It, he knows. He knows what they did to his brother. He's not going to Houston. The car remembers. <laughs> uh, switch, switching gears, uh, the Denver Broncos, they hire the, I mean, biggest name of the coaches that were out there as far as, you know, having won a Super Bowl. They they trade technically for Sean Payton because he still is under contract technically with the Saints. But, of course, like I said, brought them a Super Bowl, made them a year-in-year-out contender. If he if he can have Russell Wilson, you know, turn back the clock a little bit, look more like the guy he had been in Seattle versus what he did this past season for the Broncos, Broncos country might actually be able to ride again, Matt. Oh, Broncos country, let's ride. Yes, um, so corny. My God. You know, for, before we talk about Sean Payton, let's address the real elephant in the room. Russell Wilson is just a goober. Oh, am one, I right? 1000%. Like, he's just a goober. I, I respect it because I'm a goober. I, I respect that. It's just Russell Wilson is a goober. That that needs to be said. That needs to be addressed. And now that we have, um, I do like this move by the Broncos. I actually gave it a B plus because I, I do my uh, head coaching higher grades as well, as long as, as well as my draft grades. Uh, I hope you asked me about Frank Reich to Carolina, by the way. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But, um, for Sean Payton, I give it a B plus. I mean, he's a great coach. He's very talented. You know he's going to bring a solid crew with him. So he's going to have a good staff. He's got a lot of good players once the team is healthy with guys like Javonta Williams, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. I mean, there's a lot of talent on that Denver Broncos offense. The defense probably could use a little bit of growth and development, maybe get some more edge rushers in there, losing Von Miller and Bradley Chubb hurt. But Patrick Sertan looks like the real deal. Justin Simmons looks pretty, has always been good. It's there, There's pieces there to build around. My question is, was it Nathaniel Hackett or was it Russell Wilson? Was it a combination of both? With Hackett, I think he was overmatched. I think he just was overmatched. I think people were convinced he was the one doing the play calling in Green Bay when, in fact, it's Matt LaFleur. It's the same problem you get with Bill Belichick assistants going to gain head coaching jobs. I was like, oh, he was in this position, so he knows what he's talking about. No, Bill Belichick was calling all that stuff. They just happened to fill that position. So you're not getting this wonder kid with Josh McDaniels. You're getting Bill Belichick's clipboard holder while Bill Belichick calls all the plays. Matt LaFleur called the offense in Green Bay. Nathaniel Hackett just conveniently filled the offensive coordinator position in that situation. So was it Hackett? Probably. Was it Wilson? Maybe. I I mean, make no mistake, Wilson is on the back end of his career as well. It's And as someone who is a scrambler, as someone who took a lot of hits working out of the pocket as an improviser, there's a chance that his shelf life and expiration date as a top tier quarterback is coming up a lot sooner than people think. So I give it a B plus because I think Sean Payton can get the most out of Russell Wilson. But the other side of that, Sean Payton actually doesn't have the greatest track record in the world of actually developing a young quarterback though. Great with veterans. I mean, very similar to John Gruden in that regard. Great with veteran quarterbacks. But I mean, he hasn't really, he hasn't really had to, I mean, the young, youngest guy he had was Jameis Winston. 
he never really had to. So, but in the few instances that we saw him attempt it, you know, with guys like Trevor Simeon, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, allegedly, <laughs> in the couple chances that we saw him actually try and do it, he was okay. But I don't think, I don't think he's as good with rookies and young players as he is with veterans. So I think that might work in Denver's favor, but that might leave them in a precarious spot once Russell Wilson hangs it up where, okay, now we're really going to find out what Sean Payton can do with a rookie quarterback. So I like it. I, I, I think it's the best landing spot for Sean Payton. I don't think it, a lot of people are like, oh, Arizona is a great spot. I just did not see that at all with the type of team that he, that he likes to work with Indianapolis, same thing. Um, Carolina, definitely not Houston. I mean, just on draft picks alone is intriguing, but no, I think this is the best landing spot for Sean Payton. It should work out pretty well for them. Well, what I would be, what I would say to the thought of what, what uh, Sean Payton can do with a younger guy, it's, it might not come to that. It might end up being, you know, depending on how the Russell Wilson years go, it could simply be Sean Payton's like, okay, now I'm done probably again maybe i'll wait for another opening and that's that could just be what it becomes for sean payton it's he becomes the coach that if you got a guy that's you know pretty good or has been really good he's the guy you want to get versus oh we're rebuilding we're going to be good in like three or four years sean payton might not be that guy oh no, he and he certainly could go i i would view that as the bill parcells route yeah. where Bill Parcells kind of murked himself around the league for a couple years where there was good opportunities and maybe the coach was just the missing piece kind of situation. That could certainly be the case with Sean Payton down the road. So we'll see. I, I, again, a good hire. I don't think it's as good as Demeco Ryan's to Houston, but it is a very good hire for Denver. Now it's just a matter of do you build it the right way around these very draft pick expensive pieces that you now have of Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic hits 96.7 WBVI ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you. Big thanks to Aaron Foose from Lakota and Ty Traxler from Elmwood for joining us earlier on in the show. Matt and I currently talking head coaching changes in the NFL and I'll tee you up for the one you are, I think are truly most excited to talk about for as much as you wanted to talk about both the Texans and the Broncos, and that would be the Panthers deciding to hire Frank Reich, who was fired by the Colts during this season as their head coach. And it certainly seems uh, seems fairly strange just because with what Steve Wilkes had done while he was the interim coach for the Panthers, it sure looked like that might be the route they take, but they have instead decided to go with Frank Reich. So what, what assures me in life, there's very few things that absolutely unequivocally assure, assure me in life. One of them is that the Carolina Panthers are going to constantly drop the ball. They just are. It's the, the owner says he wants to break up the old boys club, which was a line from Jerry Richardson, the racist former owner of the Panthers who had to sell the team in disgrace because of his history of racial commentary and horrific behavior. And that was for the best. And the league is better that Jerry Richardson is not in it anymore. I want to break up the old boys club 
well, shoot, let's go ahead and hire the guy that just got canned from Indianapolis because that really breaks up the old boys club, especially when my players are begging for Steve Wilkes to get the job. Literally, on Instagram, pleading with management to give Steve Wilkes the job. So, like, he gets us. He gets what we're trying to do. He gets what we're trying to build. He's earned this chance. And, nah, let's go ahead and sign the guy that couldn't make Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, or Matt Ryan work with Michael Pittman Jr., uh, Philip Dorsett, Paris Campbell, and Jonathan freaking Taylor. Yeah, that's really the the guy that you want to have building a young quarterback up in Carolina. No, it's I I gave it an F. It's they could not have picked worse if they tried. Honestly, they could have dre- they could have signed you as their head coach and I would have given it a D plus. Just because on the off chance like, well, Lance is young, conveniently he might be able to relate to his rookie quarterback or young quarterbacks and get the most out of them. No, it the, the worst sign, the worst hiring. Honestly, this is probably the worst hiring for my money since David Cully or Lovey Smith with the Texans. Like this is again sideshow circus level hiring. I mean, by Carolina. I think the worst, at least for the next few years, you go Nathaniel Hackett to Denver and Urban Meyer to Jacksonville. Those are oh, yeah. those have to be the two the two ones you quote and go back to at least for the next few years. Oh, absolutely. I I, I guess the way I, what I mean by that one is, in, in terms of bad hires, when Urban Meyer got hired, there were people that said, "Oh, this might actually work out." People in Denver were excited about getting Nathaniel Hackett, but mostly because they also thought it was a package deal to go get Aaron Rodgers then. But still, people were excited about it. I've yet to see a Carolina fan excited about Frank Reich. Just like last year, no one in Houston was excited about Lovey Smith. And the year before that, no one was really excited about David Culley. It's the team isn't excited about it. The fan base isn't excited about it. I'm not even sure that Frank Reich is really that excited about it. So it's, I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I think it's a colossally bad hire. I think that one's going to come back and bite them. And it's just guaranteeing with all the trades and gutting of the roster that Carolina's done in recent seasons. I, I think they're going to be bottom of the barrel in the NFC South for the foreseeable future, which is great because my Buccaneers suck again without Tom Brady. So at least we'll be third place as opposed to dead last. That's the only reassurance I have right now. And then we have the two places that are still seeking their next head coach, the Indianapolis Colts and the Arizona Cardinals. I know there's been a handful of names linked to both of those franchises, but what in fact do you think uh what in fact do you think will those teams will do? Well, I can tell you what I hope Indianapolis does. I really hope they go with Raheem Morris, the LA Rams defensive coordinator. I mean, outside of this year being a, a rough year for LA just in general, but because of injuries and health and all of that. I think Raheem Morris has more than redeemed himself for his stint in Tampa as a head coach. Cause he wasn't even that bad as a head coach in Tampa. He was just too young. He wasn't ready for it yet, but he still had a 10 and six season, then a seven and nine season. Then things went bad. I think it was five and 11 for his final year in Tampa Bay. But no, I, I think Raheem Morris is a great pick for them. He's energetic. He's a good motivator. He can get this defense going. 
that has a lot of athletic players on it with guys like Kenny Moore, Shaq Leonard. There's a lot of good defensive pieces there. And he does have a decent track record of working with younger quarterbacks. I mean, when he was in Tampa Bay, Josh Freeman's two best years as an NFL pro came with Raheem Morris as his coach. So you're going to be drafted a quarterback. You're going to be looking for someone in the draft. You're going to look to build. I think Raheem Morris is a great pick for that. I think a close second would be Steichen from Philadelphia, but I'm a little worried. It's the same situation like it was with Hackett. I think Sirianni's really calling the offense over there and Steichen just gets the benefit of it. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. I think Raheem Morris is the best pick for that for Arizona. I mean, you got to figure out what you want to do in Arizona first, because they they were the the science experiment, seeing if you could make a RPO super spread college level air raid type of offense work in the NFL. Jury's still undecided on that because there's times where it looks incredible, and then there's times where Kyler Murray's playing Call of Duty all night. So. It, it it's a mixed bag. I, I think you need someone to go in there that's going to be a steady hand. I think you need someone that can go in there and, frankly, just to call it as this, fr- frankly, get some discipline and order in there. I know he's not going to come out of retirement for it, but, you know, a guy like a Tom Coughlin kind of coach. It's You don't need any more buddy-buddy coaches. I think you need a coach that's going to kick you in the pants and pat you on the back at the same time kind of coach there in Arizona. So, uh some of the names that come to mind for me on that one, it's, um, it, it, I mean, you look around the league, there's a, a few that kind of stand out. I could see plausibly with the way Arizona brings people in. I could see someone like a Joe judge coming back from the new England stuff, gain another crack at it. I could see a Steve Gannon from Philadelphia who seems to be a little bit more of a hardliner with his players. It's you, you need to bring someone in that is going to really get the team in line and then bring in a coordinator that matches with that type of offense and figure out what you're going to do from there. So it's I, I don't really have a name set in stone yet for Arizona just because I don't even think Arizona knows what they're going to do. Flip side of that, they've been waiting this long. It could be Steve Spagnolo or it could be Eric Bieniemy as well. Spagnolo, he was a no-nonsense guy when he was a coach with the Rams. He would make a lot of sense in Arizona. The same thing with Biennemi. He's a very innovative offensive coach, but we'll just have to see. It's, it's going to be interesting to see who they end up picking because who they end up picking really determines a lot for Arizona. Chief among them, if Kyler Murray is still going to be your quarterback in Arizona. That'll just about do it for us tonight. Big thanks to Aaron Foose from Lakota and Ty Traxler from Elmwood for joining us on the show tonight. Of course, don't miss our basketball coverage coming your way the next few days. Thursday night, BBC Girls Action, Van Buren against Arlington. Matt Common and I will have that one for you Thursday night on Classic Hits 96.7. Friday on Classic Hits, BBC Boys Action, Liberty Benton taking on Pandora Gaboa. Matt Brown and I have that one for you Friday night on Classic Hits 96.7. Friday on WFOB, SBC River Basketball, Hope Ball Loudon taking on New Regal. Matt Common and Tom Grind have that one Friday on WFOB. And then Saturday on WFOB, a big rivalry matchup. Hope Ball Loudon taking on Faustoria. Always a big game. 
when those two teams match up. Matt Common, Tom Grind have that one for you for Saturday on WFOB. And for my broadcast partner, Matt Common, this is Lance Moore signing off from the Fricker Studios for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.